Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jew3 Project, and I'm so excited that you've taken the time to listen to another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. We want to give a special thank you to our financial partners. We could not do what we do without you. We have been able to reach tens of thousands of people across the globe through our podcasts, social media outlets, online courses, curriculum, conference and events and tours because of your generous support. If you aren't a monthly partner, please consider partnering with us at Jew3Project.org by hitting the Donate tab. There's an option to give online or to mail in your gift. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Every gift you give helps equip. Remember, our online course is now available at learn.Jew3Project.org. Our new curriculum, Through Eyes of Color, a contextualized guide to helping you know what you believe and why, is available on Amazon and at througheyesofcolor.com and at jew3project.org. We thank you for listening and your support and your prayers. We're able to do what we do because of people like you. Thank you so much, and we hope that this episode blesses you. Have a great day. Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mashua. Welcome. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Thank you uh, for joining me on the podcast. We met in um, Louisiana, Monroe, Louisiana, uh, where I don't think any of either one of us were familiar with before we went. Um, I had been there another time before for another event, but before that time, yeah. I had never heard of Monroe, Louisiana. I'm not sure if you've heard of it before you were there <laughs> either, like me. Um, yeah. Had you heard, <laughs> of, heard it about it? I'd heard about it, but not been there. No, definitely right. not even, wasn't sure what to expect actually uh, when, <laughs> when, when I left here. <laughs> so for our audience who is who aren't familiar with who you are, just give them a little bit of background about yourself. Okay, my name is Mashatze Mashua. I live in Cape Town with my amazing wife, Lusanda, and our three beautiful daughters, uh, aged five, four, and two. We um, are currently working with RZIM, uh, Ravi Zakaria's International Ministries. I am the regional director of the ministry here in, in Africa. That's that's awesome. And uh, we had a great talk. Um, you came to look. Uh, we did is Christianity, white man's religion panel um, at uh, University of Louisiana at Monroe. And you were there in the audience um, when, yeah. when you were listening to just the conversations. What struck you as the differences between the questions that we hear in the States and the questions you hear in, in South Africa around this whole idea of Christianity being a white man's religion? Yes. Yeah, so the question is Christianity, a, a white man's religion. Um, I think to fully grasp uh, really the weight of the question, one has to understand it as a lament uh, by people of color, various people around the world. And I was very much interested in understanding how that lament is uh, focused uh, in, 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 a, in a different context. And 
when I, uh, I mean, in Monroe, one of the things I noticed that stood out for me was that it, the, the, from the audience perspective, right from the presentations to the talk back that you normally have where you allow the audience to say something right before you, you give your, your opening talks, even th right through the questions or the Q&A time, that it was really centered around the question of uh, slavery. That's where it was located, uh, where people's experience of slavery and uh, also present very fresh in the social memory really framed the lament. Uh, how, can I, how can I trust in the story? How can I hope or derive hope from the story that also was the religion of those who enslaved us, that also uh, actually gave a theological justification uh, to, to slavery, such a painful uh, and devastating system. And <clears throat> here in, in, in uh, South Africa, of course, there are concerns and there are questions about slavery, but I think the difference is that what I've encountered is more conversations about colonization, uh, as a whole and 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 racism historical both historical and the persistent nature of racism especially within you know christendom and so people look at for instance how in the past uh you know this kind of racism thrived within the context of christianity and justified all sorts of evil and so they think how can i trust something that can can be a petri dish of such evil uh, how can i trust something that uh, gave a theological uh, backing to apartheid? How can I trust something that uh, framed Africans as being less than human, justifying colonization, dispossession, um, and to such an extent that even the African experience was redefined unilaterally by Western colonizers, that things like truth, experience, knowledge, and so forth were reshaped uh, culturally to to in an ethnocentric way to to really be nuanced uh, from the west and so it's a it's a different kind of lament as i've experienced it uh, than the one i did in in the us but of course all of these elements they intersect and 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 i guess depending on who you are and what was important to you you would have you would have uh, some some element of all of these things present how would you respond to the questions uh, that, that you hear? What is your usual kind of response? I know there's no can't answer because it depends on the actual person you're, you're, yeah. you're speaking with. But in a general sense, um, what are kind of some points you 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 touch on in, in response to that? So there are some some logical answers uh, where the question is approached logically and historically. So it's easy to show, for instance, that, um, you know, that, that Africans and other people uh, have been uh, read out of the text uh, or have been made to be less significant than what they really are in the text, uh, sort of like extras in, in the movie. One can go there and show that. One can show God's uh, heart uh, towards all people uh, of all different kinds of backgrounds, that uh, diversity is really God's heart. And, and that it's, uh, uh, it's actually a, a simulation and thwarting diversity 
is is actually a rebellion and against and an affront to God's heart. Uh, in fact, right through the vision of the worshiping community in Revelation, at the end of the story, that the community that God has in his heart is one that is from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, and so forth. One can also show um, that even right now where the church is, if you talk about Christianity being a, a Western a white man's religion, to show that actually the majority of Christians are not in, in the West or the, the thriving churches are not in, in the West, that by 2050, for instance, by some many projections, actually, that uh, there'll be quite a significant number of uh, Christians who are residing in sub-Saharan Africa. One can also show uh, that Jesus was not uh, a, a white man or a Western man, that he was um, a Jewish man born in the Middle East, brown-skinned, and that he taught his followers to extend his invitation, uh, really to inaugurate uh, a a new era of justice uh, where God was fixing his cosmos, uh, his cosmos that had been uh, broken uh, or had malfunctions um, ushered in by man's Rebellion, that that message and that invitation to create a new humanity uh, and to redeem the world, that was an invitation or that is still an invitation to all people. Um, you could also show that uh, long before the, the, the Christian story made it to the West, that it had already taken root in, in, in Africa, that it was already spreading. Uh, and there are some churches that don't trace their lineage to Western missionaries, for instance. Their Christianity is traced back from uh, the original followers of Jesus Christ. But that would be, amongst other things, some things that you could say towards the logical side. I think there is, though, the other side, like I said, the lament. Um, and this one is a bit harder because what it needs, it, it needs comfort. It needs uh, God's assurance that he sees a whole continent or continents of people that have been displaced continuously, that have been enslaved, uh, who whose memory is infected with pain. You know, how do I remember my past without the sense of shame, for instance? And and that's where that's where the weight uh, of the question, like I said, in, in some places lie. And to answer that is really to journey through uh, Jesus Christ and to show that you know that when when Christianity has been used uh, uh, in a wrongful way, has been abused, it has led to oppression, it has led to pain, and certainly the reason why some people think it's a Western religion, a white man's religion, because it's been appropriated and abused, and, and to that effect, it has caused pain to a lot of people. Uh, then one has to show that Jesus would rebuke the oppressor in that sense and. Uh, Jesus would say, I understand your pain, I understand your story, but also there's an empowering, there's just not an association, an explanation of the narrative and the pain, but there is an invitation to complete the story. So Jesus would say, for instance, because of what I have done, now get up and walk, get up and walk. And so there is that element, there's a pastoral element that also needs to uh, need to come out. The last thing I'd say is that there's also a big issue and concern about racism within the the, the Christian world. Um, you know that exists uh, directly and indirectly. Uh, some of my friends look at the church today and they say they lament the fact that there's a white church and a black church, and here in South Africa there's a colored church and there's a, an Indian church, and so you know church is segregated still. And so people say, well. You you speak about a message that, you know, uh, at its heart, 
speaks about removing the 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 dividing walls of hostility but yet you can't demonstrate a community in in amongst yourselves that has really resolved this and so uh that troubles me the most to be honest lisa uh it's it's um it's one that's a, it's an internal problem but again it's easier to show that this is where the gospel is not being fully lived out the truth of the gospel as paul lives uh, t- talks about it in galatians and it's something that we continue to confront and when others outside see us confronting this the persistence of racism and white supremacy uh, within the church itself then there's there is a, a glimpse at least of hope uh, uh, that can allow them to at least look at the cross uh, in its pure form and respond accordingly. Mm-hmm. That's really, really helpful. And I, I really love how you honed in on lament because I think, you know, once you, especially if you're apologist or you're into studying um, theology or church history and you begin to think, okay, to say Christianity is white men's religion is absurd mm-hmm. looking at the evidence. It There can kind of be an arrogance that comes with the information that you want to to spew or on the person who has the objection. Um, but in reality, um, even though the argument may be rational, it might not be helpful if you haven't used lament first. And I think that's important that you, you honed in on that. And sometimes I think a lot of people miss that um, yeah. because the information is like, it's overwhelming, but it's like, you have to hone in on that lament piece in order to be effective. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the Christian story gives us a, such a great um, framework for lament, and we shouldn't be afraid uh, to 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 lament, to mourn, uh, at least in part. Uh, that we understand that you know the biblical plot line is that God created, you know, his 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 world, and it, it's it's and it described this world as 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 good or shalom. You know, everything is functioning as God intended it to function. And then, you know, there's uh, there's there's a there's a rebellion, man's sin that really ushers in, you know, death and decay in God's world, a malfunction. And so, when we when we when we look at the pain in the world, when we look at the suffering in the world, we at least have a framework of understanding where it came from. And so, whenever somebody uh, says something like Christianity, this thing that is meant to be a sacred story of hope, that God did not just see this decay uh, and 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 stand afar, but He actually inserted Himself into the story, into the narrative, through Jesus Christ to to like I said to redeem this world, to create a new humanity, ushering in an expiry date, even on things like that that we see on on suffering. This is meant to be a good story, but when somebody says Christianity is not my story. That's because they're seeing something that is happening, something that is broken. And so I think even sometimes before we even move to defend the point is to mourn and say there's something wrong in God's world where his story is not being understood as it should, where his invitation is not received as it should, where his act of kindness, because greater love, you know, uh, uh, has no person than the one who lays down his life. Uh, for his friends, and that's what he did. Uh, there's the greatest love, the show, uh, the show of the greatest love, and so we mourn the fact that people don't understand that story because of what we as believers have done uh, to distort that message and that invitation. 
And so when we hear it, we ought to mourn. Something is wrong in, in God's world. And mourn with those who mourn, not quick to defend. Where we need to offer an apology, sorry, we haven't been the community that we're meant to be. Sorry that we haven't been God's people like we're supposed to, so that when you entered our community, you could taste and see that the Lord is good. That's extremely, extremely helpful and needed. And when we think about people who turn away from Christianity or even start to mix Christianity with other things because they feel like Christianity is insufficient for them, um, one of the moves is to move back to ancestral religions or um, as 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 you inform me of practicing culture, your culture um, is more a, an adequate way to a more helpful way to put it or understand it in in, in on the as people on the continent may may understand it. Um, yeah. Do you see that um, in, in where you are um, as as we are seeing it in the in the U.S. Yes, I think um, there is a, there's a natural progression that comes from really trying to understand one's own history while pursuing issues of justice. So, for instance, um, people look at, say, like in Africa, for instance, the colonial story and say, well, before Western uh, mission world out of them with the colonizers came uh, we surely had our own beliefs and our own uh, spirituality expression of our spirituality and so when that injustice uh, happened in terms of uh, the injustice of uh, uh, colonization they really disregarded everything that we believed uh, branded it as superstition and then discarded it for a new belief system, uh, killed cultural knowledge. And, and, and sad to say that they were very uncritical in the way that um, they discard or interacted with African knowledge system. And then this would be true for other uh, areas as well. Uh, and so we can say indigenous knowledge systems. The, so so when, you, when you begin to, to, to um, search for your identity, uh, that is apart from the injustice. It's very natural then to say that I need to maybe discard uh, this uh, Christianity altogether and rediscover what who I was before colonization or before uh, this uh, Western branded uh, religion. And so we're seeing a lot of people beginning to explore uh, African traditional religions here, and I see that uh, in different parts of the world where African spirituality as well, people who identify as previously African or currently African, considering uh, African traditional religions or at least expressions of them and asking questions uh, in terms of where they fit uh, or not. Is this, how, do, how should we respond when someone... Um, says this is what I'm doing because the innate response I grew up uh Pentecostal uh yeah. so um in in that framework when people would see you doing anything they're just like oh witchcraft like don't bring that in here you know yeah. and so the response is to kind of go strong rebuke um 
yeah. global witchcraft and dangerous and that you're going to bring demonic spirits into a space. And that's that's kind of been the response from even, I mean, Baptists, I don't think it's unlimited to Pentecostal, but especially yeah. in Black spaces, that is the knee-jerk response. And so when people hear that, either they they go into, okay, they just, they continue doing it um, and just yeah. don't, don't let you know they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Or they have, you know, they jettison it without, I think, understanding the reason why, if that makes sense. Right. Um, they have yeah. no reason other than kind of the extreme knee-jerk reaction. How? What do you think is a more thoughtful way to, to engage on that? Yeah, so I think uh, that's a great question. And the first thing would be to, to recognize and acknowledge where the injustice has taken place. Sometimes we're afraid to say that, uh, uh, maybe to take that step because we think that somehow we will be betraying our faith or that we will be too soft on uh, ideas that uh, are antagonistic towards the Christian story. But that's not the case. I think that speaks about integrity of the integrity of the story. In fact, you see that in, in the Bible that there are all sorts of stories that are put there that God doesn't hide the history of the development of our story. And, and some of it is messy. And some of it is, is, is really, uh, it makes one blush. Uh, when you read about it. And so it's not a problem to say, I understand what it is that you are being uh, put off. Uh, this Western expression, for instance, some people look at that and they just see an expression that that uh, erases uh, their, their cultures. So for instance, for here, for, uh, there are rites of passage that were in a Christian culture that really was an expression of uh, African people in terms of how they did things. And so when the missionaries, for instance, some of the missionaries came, um, and I'll speak on the negative side of it, is that they they just completely did away with some of those rites of passage, for instance, that defined a, a man uh, or the journey of a boy into a man. And so what happens is that culturally that individual remained a boy within his cultural context. Um, and so they did that in the name of uh, Christian belief. And that, was, that wasn't actually Christianity. That was just a, 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 a Western prejudice, for instance, against uh, cultural practice. So we have to understand and lament, again, uh, the injustices with them. Then the second thing is we, we've got to um, understand ourselves, where we are coming from. So I love the fact that, you, you know, you're saying, look, this is who I am and this is my background. So my background is different to yours, uh, Lisa. I was actually born in a home that practiced ancestralism, uh, an uh, African traditional religion. And, you know, we believed uh, that, you know, there was God who created all things, that, um, that there, there's a spirit world uh, that we have a relationship with, uh, that when people died, they they don't cease to exist, that they continued uh, existing, just a different mode of existence, and that we could continue to have a relationship with some of them, facilitated by certain rituals and so forth. And we then trusted, uh, you know, uh, in that relationship, in that setup uh, for prosperity, for protection against curses and so forth. And so 
that was a different experience uh, to yours. And so when, when I understand Christianity and understand my theology, it landed in a different place than it would land to somebody else who has a different experience to mine. And mine was that my religion of birth gave me supernatural experiences. I had experiences which um, were beyond the natural explanation growing up. And so um, to understand who we are in the story is, is, is really important. And then thirdly, I think, which is where, where uh, the question is, is getting to, is then to, to understand what is appealing, um, what needs are being met by alternative or these alternative uh, spiritualities, for lack of a better word, or these avenues or these platforms that people are exploring or the places where they find home, because there is something in those things that speak meaningfully to people and then what I would do is I would identify those things. And then I would show that actually Jesus answers that much better. That Jesus's invitation lands uh, 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 much better to the human heart uh, internally as well as externally uh, than those things I can ever imagine uh, or promise. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that um, seeing what need a person is trying to meet. And I think most of the needs that people are trying to meet go down to uh, the five P's, as I put it, uh, personhood, um, power, provision, uh, protection, and peace. Um, And you can add a sixth one in there and put pleasure uh, because some people are are looking for that. Um, I just like to alliterate. That's why they all start with peace. Uh, But (laughs) once you break down that and discover what need, then you can show how the power of God or the gospel meets that need. Um, Because I think that is helpful because there are so many, I think, different um, spheres or I wouldn't even call it denominations because that would be more church. But there are so many different um, African spiritualities um, that you you won't be able to to educate yourself on all of them, but you can educate yourself on knowing what is the the P um, as I as I label that they're trying to to yeah. meet in in that. Would you like to yeah. comment on that? Yeah, no, I think I I, I love how you f- you frame it. Uh, it's 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 finding out what is our highest aspiration. Uh, what is what is what is the what is, a, what is the thing that we dream of? Uh, what is the thing that our hearts cry out for? And again, the Christian story says that our hearts are made for God. And that even within versions of Christianity, expressions of Christianity, where the fullness of God is not expressed, we're going to go seeking after other lovers uh, to try and meet that, those needs. And it's only when we find God where we where we find rest. And so I find uh, uh, some of my friends who are exploring, if you like, uh, you know, uh, and seeking after uh, God. And of course, um, you know, I'm not saying that it's 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 everybody seeking after God because I know some people who really know the truth, but just the 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 practical implications of what it means to accept the truth is very difficult for them and so 
you know, they try other things. But I, I, I've met many people who are very sincere and who are really seeking and asking questions. And I recognize that as, as, a, as a search for God, uh, as, as a thirst for God. And when we explore, you know, the God that the Bible promises in Jesus Christ, then I see that heart uh, really clicking and, and finding home. And so it's, it's an important part to really learn to listen. Uh, I think what's powerful about what you're saying is, is that we won't know un unless we learn to listen to people, unless we observe people. We don't arrive already having decided we know what they want and we know how to speak to them about what they want and what they're going after. But we arrive as, as learners. Uh, as people who are saying, teach me, what is it that is in your heart? What is it? What do you hunger for? What do you thirst for? And we will be very surprised that always that it lands on some spectrum of what the gospel message is and is able to meet. Mm -hmm. And I do think that even when people say, well, I was a Christian and it was insufficient for the peas that I'm trying to, to connect with, it's often, yeah. I think, one of them one of the most prominent ones I think is peace. And I think when people have the absence of peace in their lives and they're believers or Christian, um, I think we have to challenge the notion of what we think peace really is. Um, have you seen a misunderstanding of peace lead people to exploring or going back to um, or peace or I think provision or protection? Um, seeing yeah. that leading back a misunderstanding of what the gospel gives as a promise of peace, protection and provision um, misused or misunderstood in the reason of going back. Yes, sadly. Yes. Um, sadly. Um, well, this has, has to be one of the greatest distortions um, I think of our time about what, what, what the Christian story promises. Many people uh, talk, uh, uh, treat God like he's a, he's a personal genie, uh, a, a, a vending machine. And um, that if you have faith, somehow uh, you're, 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 there's a promise that you will not suffer, that there's a promise that uh, you'll be free. Peace is uh, being free from any uh, problems or any pains, any uh, lack that that's what it means to be a, a Christian and to 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 be part of God's people. This obviously is is a contradiction because you see it everywhere in the scriptures that we are not promised as God's people that we won't suffer, that we won't have trouble. But what we are promised is that no matter what we go through, we can have the confidence of knowing that God is with us, that he cares about us, and that even if something were to eventually happen, that our life stops here, that our hope does not stop in this life, that it continues to go beyond this. And so people uh, get disillusioned when they've been listening to a message all their life that says to them that if you're a Christian, come be a Christian and you won't suffer. Be a Christian and you'll never be with, you know, without. And when they experience those things, uh, they end up being disillusioned and thinking that the message is false. And here's the thing. It's actually us who distort the message that make promises on behalf of God that he himself didn't make or contrary to the promises of God. And so what ends up happening is that when people 
are failed by our lies, then they think that God has failed them. But our lies actually constructed an idol, and other than God, and idols by definition are meant to disappoint. And so when people move away from what they think they're moving away from, which is Christianity in their minds, they're really moving away from the idols, the false idols that have been constructed by false teaching in this regard. Mm -hmm. That's so helpful um, because I think uh, we don't realize how damaging uh, prosperity-esque teachings are to the U.S., to the continent of Africa yeah. um, and the world, uh, the global uh, and and the and just the world, and yeah. um, it causes problems because you build you build a faith based on promises that you assume that may be out of context in scripture. Um, yeah. That's why biblical literacy, I think, is so important and vital um, to our discipleship to know the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, what it's saying yeah. in context to be able to 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 understand the faith, because it's almost like people sign on. I always say like the terms and conditions. We all have Apple products. When Apple comes up with the updates, we click the terms and conditions, never yeah. read it. We just sign up and they could be taking our firstborn. Um, but we wouldn't know because we don't read it. And I think people sign up for Christianity in that same way. Like, sure, I believe the whole thing, Genesis to Revelation, never read it. Just sign me up. It sounds good. Um, but then when trouble comes and the complications come, then it's like, I didn't sign up for this part. This is not faith that I thought I bought into. Um, so I think it's important, um, to, 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 to push for Christians, across the globe to read their Bibles uh, for themselves. No, absolutely. I think, and, and it's, it's, it's right there. Uh, mm. You know, he prepares a table before uh, for me in the presence of my, my enemies. You know, I, I remember reading that and thinking, gosh, that's an awkward way of phrasing things. Uh, when I'm surrounded by my enemies, you know, I will, I, the kind of prayer I'm praying is God get me out. <laughs> and, and it seems as though the psalmist has an idea that God would prepare a table, that God somehow thinks, great, you're surrounded by enemies. Now let's feast. Let you and I have, 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 have a uh, communion. Let you and I be in community and let's have fellowship. And it's a very strange uh, way of thinking it. But also, I mean, if you think about, um, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, the scripture that's uh, one of the most <laughs> abused scriptures in, in, I think, in history of uh, the abuse of scriptures. You know, um, many people read that uh, without reading the, the few, the verses before. And uh, people in exile really are wanting to, to, you know, to get out. They've lost their sense of identity, uh, land. They're wondering when is God coming through for them there? I mean, they're in, in agony and despair. And, and a false prophet rises amongst them uh, and says, listen, pack up your bags and leave. God is uh, about to get you out at any moment now, you know, and they, 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 they have a sense of hope, but it's a false hope. Because they think that when God gets us out of here, we then will prosper. But then God sends his own prophet, Jeremiah, to them and says, no, I want you to build houses. I want you to plant vineyards. I want you to, 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 to pray for the prosperity of the city. Uh, but Because uh, I'm not taking you out just yet. And in that context, God says, because I therefore know the plans I have for you. And so 
when we when we think about the first cont, uh, the first part where we just quote that scripture, we think if I'm facing difficulties, it means that if if, if God was going to take me out in order for me to 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 prosper, to experience prosperity, but that scripture in its context is that God is able to prosper us in the midst of our troubles and our and our circumstances, that it doesn't need necessarily for them to change, for us to experience the sense of prosperity and joy that he brings. The New Testament is full of uh, letters. I'm currently doing a study on Philippians, and it's about uh, you know how to, uh, Paul is writing from possibly uh, uh, Rome. Uh, he's arrested. He could be released or he could face a death penalty. And he is writing to them about a joy. Um, and he's telling them about a joy that's derived from, you know, being a heavenly citizen and growing in one's uh, ability to serve God and to serve uh, people. And, I mean, it was a difficult situation that he found himself, but somehow he's talking about joy in that situation. Peter does the same. He's talking to those who are scattered, those who are in turmoil, those who are being persecuted, they are hunted, they are, they are really struggling, and he talks to them about inexpressible joy. This is in contrast to the kind of joy and peace that's linked to material conditions, and that's the invitation for everyone. Yeah, that is that is really helpful because I think people think God promises, um, promise, he promises us the absence of pain, when the only promises promise that he gives us is there will never be an absence of his presence and right. um, <laughs> pain well, will be present uh yeah. but my presence will also be present and so right. they work in tandem uh they're Absolutely. not <laughs> they that doesn't the presence of one doesn't mean the absence of the other and so um it's helpful to to remember that that he's always with us and, and then that, that is so helpful and so comforting in our present state uh where we're all dealing with a level of uncertainty this is um corona is the great equalizer uh no you you won't you can't be your celebrity won't help you your money won't help you uh, your status, your geography won't help. We're all collectively experiencing some kind of hit from this. And um, it reminds us not only is Corona equalizer, but the cross is an equalizer. Um, yeah. And it reminds us that at the foot of the cross, we're not our fame, our, our wealth, our status, our geography doesn't help. We're all equal. And so it is a very humbling thing, I think, for, yeah. for all of us. To, to experience um, talking to you and setting up the time for this interview and hearing you talk about you're on lockdown and I'm on lockdown. <laughs> we're all, we're all on lockdown. Uh, That's right. It's, I think it's the only time in recent history that I know of. I'm only 33, so I can I can only speak for my 33 years. Never yeah. experienced. We're all going through this. And I know you said you've never experienced this as well. So it's, right. it's very um, humbling thing um, and the reminder that we need God um, and we yeah. don't need idols or substitutes. We need the only person that per, uh, the only create the creator can only help us because he created us. So. Absolutely. I think we, 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 I want to link the two, the two concepts uh, again about the kind of spirituality that uh, uh, is seems attractive to certain people right now. 
which is one where we tend to uh, that is that is um, that offers us the ability to maybe manipulate spiritual forces that meet those needs that you spoke about, say for protection or for prosperity or for peace. And so we, without having necessarily a relationship, so there are people who believe that there are supernatural forces that are impersonal, good luck, bad luck, you know, good energy and so forth, that if we perform the right kind of rituals, we can be able to channel them in a, in a way that benefits us, in a way that uh, brings those things into our lives. And countless number of times, a lot of people are disappointed to find that uh, at the end of that, there is there is emptiness, uh, there is lack because it's a it's a it's a it's a fake. It's not the real thing. And so the Christian story really then offers us more than just material things that can be inhabited by spirits or uh, impersonal uh, forces for good or for bad. It promises us a person whose goodness has been already demonstrated and displayed on, on the cross. And that's what it is. In, in a time like this, we want to be able to control stuff because it is, it is, it is painful for us to realize, to have to come to terms, like you said, Lisa, that our plans and our resources don't actually cause the future to happen. Because there's a sense in which we we get so confident that if I thought about it, I've decided on it, I've got the resources, I have organized well, therefore the future that I'm planning will happen. I will go to such and such a place, I'll meet such and such a person, and so forth. Of course, the scriptures have always been warning us uh, against this kind of uh, you know false certainty about life and how much God is in control. Now we're forced to reckon with the reality of this uncertainty uh, and we're forced to reckon with the fact that we are not in control. And this is also a temptation for a lot of people, therefore, to think, you know what, God is a little bit unpredictable. I have to be in relationship with him, but I do know this other ritual. I do know this, uh, these stones I can turn to or this thing that I can burn or this thing that I can you know, uh, practice that can lead to a certain outcome. And again, to those people out of appeal and say, look, it, we can't, God is a good, good, good God. We can come to God and we can, as, as, as his children, cry out uh, to God and say, God, give me the gift of peace that, uh, according to Philippians, uh, surpasses understanding that God's my heart and, and my mind in Christ Jesus. And, I need that internally, but then I also would love to be that gift for other people, that I am concerned, that I know that you care for me, and I really need that extra hug. I need that hope right now. I need also a way of activating myself from just moving from analysis about what the coronavirus is to action, to be a force for good to love not only God with everything, but to love my neighbor as well. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so, that's so helpful. I always used to laugh because my mom would always say after everything, she still says it my whole entire life, uh, well, I'm going to the store. I'll be back if it be the Lord's will. Like that was, and I just was like, that was, I just felt like it was so extra. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this is the first time where yeah. I'm like, you know, this is like, I, 
anticipated yeah. that I would be on the road like for the next two months before this. I remember telling you in Louisiana, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on the plane and make sure I wash my hands. Yeah. Uh, I already was washing my hands just because that's just something that you, you're supposed to do that you're taught as a child. And this right. you, but now you're watching for 20 seconds, uh, making sure you're counting because I got to be on the road. I'm going to be on the plane. And yeah. I should have said, like my mom said, <laughs> it should be the Lord's will because <laughs> on my That's way right. to Arkansas, I had to turn back around uh, because we couldn't do the event and had to postpone everything. And it's so so true. Like if it be the Lord's will, it's taking on a whole, yeah. a whole new uh, meaning <laughs> to me. Um, yeah. That's <laughs> so. All of a sudden, it's meaningful, uh, uh, right? It's it's so meaningful, and and our plans uh, seem so fickle now, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and it's crazy because it's like I was supposed to be doing the Lord's work, and it's still <laughs> should have <right. laughs> been yeah. saying if it be the Lord's will that I would do this work at this particular time. Yeah. Look, it's amazing to see that God is is at work uh, in so many places in the world today. And for some for some of us, we we are, are getting a glimpse of what He's doing during this time as well. I it, it is a difficult time for a lot of people, and there's a lot of pain. But I'm also seeing uh, people for the first time uh, ask the question: What did it? What, what does it look like? to to really get together and work together as co- as a community to solve a problem a world problem and i pray that that if there's one thing that comes out of this really bad situation is that we would our imagination would be infected with the idea that there are world problems and you know it's an african thing that if all of us are not okay, then I'm not okay. Mm. And that we would learn to think that way, that if we can own each other's problems and actually uh, take radical steps to, 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 to identify where life is not flourishing, to address that situation. I pray that our imagination is infected this way, that a lot of the things which have gone unnoticed by different parts of the world because it has not been our problem, that those things will 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 get a different attention um, going forward. That's my prayer, at least. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because we are having a, such a time in the U.S. because we have American individualism, and uh, <laughs> and they are trying to get people off the beach. And the Gen Z was like, um, "Why?" Like they said that that doesn't affect me. That affects the elderly. And they're like, "But you can be a carrier." And it's yes. just such a it's. It's interesting because I I told a friend the other day, I said, we have preached individualism in America so much. And now the older generation is upset with the younger generation for not being considerate. And it's like, you can't change a person's worldview in a day or a week when you've immersed them in individualism and then tell them to think communal and then be upset (laughs) that they're not thinking communal. Um, And I think- Great example, yeah. (laughs) you'll probably have an easier time because I think in other countries and in other cultures, it's still a communal aspect of understanding um, versus in the West it's individual. And it's like trying to get people to think about other people outside of themselves is very, very difficult to solve a a global problem. 
No, absolutely. It's it's slightly easier for us um, because at the heart of, I guess, our, our culture or cultures is this one thread um, of Ubuntu uh, expressed as um, in where I was growing up, it would be Mutu, Kimutu, Kabatu. And this idea is very difficult to, to just translate in one line, but uh, because we are, I am, and uh, it's it's this idea that my well-being um, is linked to the well-being of of our our community, and that my actions uh, have consequences for everyone, and therefore I've got to think about what I do uh, in light of how it's going to affect everyone else in the wider community. And I think it's one of the it's one of the the wealth and the treasure that I think that Africa brings uh, to 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 the world, and it's a it's a very, it's a deeply Christian idea of also community uh, that we see uh, that's just beyond a superficial fellowship, but it's about one's life really being tied to a particular community. Uh, the idea that even in within uh, in one John, for instance, uh, one John, there's a view of community there is that there's a people who are committed to one another and who are devoted to Jesus, but uh, that they share deep bonds of, of, of interest and they're doing life uh, together. They're deeply, deeply devoted uh, to one another. But that's a sort of uh, thing that we live with. And so it's easier for us to, to understand, I guess, um, coming from our culture. Yeah, I'm I'm jealous right now uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I need these people to stay shelter in place, like stay in place, <laughs> so we can right. get over this. Yeah, it. What would be your final words? It's a kind of a three part question. Your final words. Um, how can people get in contact with social media, and what resources would you recommend when people are trying to engage people on? Um, African spirituality on on social media. Could you? Sorry, Lisa. Could you? Yeah, could you read your, your final thoughts. Um, how can people get in contact on social with you on social media? And what would be your uh? Re, what would be some books or resources you would recommend for people who want to engage people on the topic of African spirituality? Sure, uh, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram, um, and so people can can message me. One of the things that I have accumulated over the years are resources of people uh, that I, uh, I I rate very highly on topics like these. There are um, some resources I'll also maybe recommend that we can link to here. But what's important is that um, we read people who are not just placed within a particular context and we read widely, as widely as possible. So for instance, people who are exploring things like African spirituality and particularly with the interface between that and, and the Christian faith, you should read some amazing Ghanaian uh, Christian uh, theologians, for instance, who've battled with the sense of uh, African identity and, and their Christian uh, faith. Uh, they've asked a lot of these questions, and I found that their journeys have been quite helpful in 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 understanding that. Um, I would I would also say that look, you know, just just because something is supernatural, just because something meets a need, doesn't necessarily make it good. Uh, 
And that's really important uh, to know because something could, could meet one need but devastate your life uh, in, in, in other ways. And so be, be careful when you're asking questions. Uh, ask as many questions as possible. Explore, but do so from a, a place where you understand that you're questioning even the ground where you're standing on. And Christianity offers not just an experience, although you'll have the most amazing experience, uh, a most profound experience in Jesus Christ, it not only offers truths for us to think about, although, again, there are some amazing and uh, profound things to think about, but it also offers a person who really, I found, can, can explain the deepest longings in our hearts, but not only explain them, but go on to, to complete them as well. Amen. That is extremely, extremely helpful. I appreciate you being with us today um, and taking time out of uh, your social distancing schedule. I think it was extremely helpful and, and comforting th this time to especially the peace uh, portion. I think a lot of people are battling with. So thank you so much. Thank you for watching another episode of the G3 Project project podcast. I appreciate you being with us. Make sure you check out our new curriculum through Eyes of Color, a contextualized guide to help you know what you believe and why. We have an online course available as well. Um, and stay tuned to our social medias for new episodes. Uh, we're going to try to drop some more content um, since you all are at home. Uh, trying to, uh, I hope you're socially distancing, uh, following the CDC guidelines, uh, washing your hands and staying prayed up and use this time to get closer to God and lean into him um, because he is the Prince of Peace and he will give us peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, remember here at the Jude 3 Project, we're helping you know what you believe and why. And also, if you want to help support the mission and vision of Jude 3, you can go to Jude3project.org and hit org and hit the donate tab. We'll greatly appreciate it. Every gift helps equip. Until next time, I'm Lisa Fields. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching G3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.